I'm Jenny Rerick. I'm Jay Weedle. And you're listening to the Fit to Speak podcast. A show dedicated to giving coaches and trainers practical tips on how to communicate what they know in a way other people understand. Welcome to episode four. Jay, how are you doing today? I'm all right, Jenny. How are you, mate? I'm doing great. Is it yes. Wednesday? It's Wednesday. Who knows? Time is but a stream of nondescript things now. I have no idea anymore. Brendan and I are going on a vacation next week. We're taking rain to yes. Lake Tahoe for a week. I'm going to do some paddle boarding and then a whole lot of sleeping. Lots of outdoor time, lots of not screen time. I'm right. in for that. Good stuff. That's right. Well, we are on, well, we're on episode four, but this, and we're doing a series. This is episode three of our series. In episode one of this particular series, we talked about self-awareness. Then in the last episode, which was episode two in this series, you talked more specifically about how coaches can assess themselves in a, mm-hmm. in a coaching or training session. And then today we're going to talk about feedback. We originally were going to do this just as one episode, but we've decided to split it into two. I'm going to let you talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I'll do it as simply as I possibly can. Jenny, your background comes from more in coaching and a more corporate background where you're working with people who typically have a hierarchy of superiors and direct reports and and peers on a similar level of them. And so recruiting people to give you feedback looks differently when you're going in that direction. My experience, however, is more so from a coach down to the end user being more so the client or the athlete. And so I don't feel like I can add a ton of value to a corporate background because I haven't been in one for about 10 years, but I can give a lot of value in the coach to end user client on the floor. So I'll speak more specifically about that. And you're going to take the lead and rock and roll through the the more upstream structure today. If you're working in a setting where you have lots of co-coaches, you have a boss, you're having to request, or you should be requesting. And maybe if you're not requesting, you're probably getting it anyway, feedback from people who are evaluating your performance and what you're contributing to your business. And that's what we're going to focus on today. So we're going to talk more broadly about feedback and then specifically some considerations you should make when you're soliciting feedback, how you should go about receiving feedback, and then some points to keep in mind if you choose to implement any of the feedback that you deem valuable. Jenny, without further ado, can you dive in and just tell us a little bit, you know, what is feedback? How would you define it? Well, instead of me defining it, I'm going to share a definition with you that I love, and it comes from Charles and Edith Seashore. They wrote a book. I know. I thought that too. (laughs) They wrote a book called What Did You Say? And it's about the art of giving and receiving feedback. Here's how they define feedback. They say, feedback is information about past behavior delivered in the present, which may influence future behavior. The key word for me in that definition is may, may influence future behavior. And to your point that you had just made, too often we make this leap of the feedback has been given, it will be implemented. That's not the case. Almost in almost all situations, feedback that's given isn't usually acted on. And that's where the sticky point is. Feedback is really, it's simply just information. That's it. 
It's just data. And it's about the impact that we're having on the people that are around us. I think professionals, including you, if you're a trainer, a coach, you're a professional, you are in a career. If you can use feedback as a measurement tool, that's when you're going to get the most out of it. And what I mean by that is you're soliciting feedback, maybe to actually make improvements, but you're also using it as a measuring stick to say, where do I stand with the people that I'm working alongside or stand in terms of the objectives I'm trying to hit with my role in this job? Professionals too, they see that there can be many alternatives to feedback. And I kind of just hinted at one, but to elaborate a bit, we can solicit feedback on something specific that we're actually trying to improve on. If I know that something I needed to work on was being more assertive, meaning maybe I project my voice more, I take more charge of the groups that I'm coaching because maybe in the past I've been soft-spoken, that is a very specific objective I'm trying to achieve and I can solicit feedback about that specific objective. But sometimes, let's say you're, if you're my boss, Jay, I might solicit feedback from you not with the intention to actually improve on something or change something, but just to tease out of you what's important to you. Mm -hmm. So if I ask you generally to give me feedback, what do you focus your feedback on? Because that information tells me what your priorities are, and that's going to help me better position myself with where I'm going to spend my time. Sneaky. I like that tool though. It's having an intention as to why you're asking. I think when we first met, I said to you, I have a pet peeve. One of your pet peeves is somebody, when somebody responds with the word sure, which is also my wife's pet peeve. One of my pet peeves is when somebody finishes an email with thoughts, question mark. And I think thoughts on what? Like there's millions of ways I could go here. What is it that you're asking me? What do you want me to tell you my thoughts on? Is it just everything that could ever be implied by this email? It's trying to at least narrow down that scope a little bit of where am I trying to improve and can I ask more candid questions about that that area? So please never send me an email. Anybody that's ever listening to this or yourself, never send me an email that just says thoughts, question mark. Now I want to I go will not respond. check myself. <laughs> I don't think I'll respond or I'll respond with something like thoughts on what? <laughs> Good to know. I wish you would have shared this with me earlier. Yeah, you've never sent me an email with thoughts. But anyway, there you go. Now you know. So does everybody else. What other considerations do people need to make then when soliciting feedback? You have a great list here in the show notes. And when I was reading them, I was thinking, this is so simple. And yet I'm sure most people miss it. So can you tell us a little bit more about what kind of the key aspects are of, of soliciting feedback? Absolutely. To keep this simple, I use the six question words, which are who what, when, where, why, and how. We, we know what the six question words are. So it's everyone already knows it. And we're going to go through briefly what you can ask or how you can use that as a guide when you are soliciting feedback. If we use the question word who, all that means is who are you going to solicit feedback from? Often it should be from people that are going to have a direct impact on the success of your role. If you're a coach or a trainer, that would be your clients, your athletes, Jay, which you're going to talk about in the next episode. Maybe it's parents that are evaluating your performance as a coach, your co-coaches at the gym who you work alongside, or your manager who is maybe more formally evaluating your performance. Too often, people seek feedback from the people that they know are going to be nice or sugarcoat 
feedback from them. And they're the people that don't, their opinions or their feedback don't necessarily matter in terms of their performance of their role. Often the best people to give us feedback are the people that we feel most scared to solicit feedback from. And I'll say as a, another way to think of scared is, is who do we feel most, most disconnected from? Because if we think about there's somebody who I'm supposed to be connecting with, but I just don't, I just can't get a read on them. I don't understand them. That if you look around the room or there's a group of people, or as you just mentioned, it's, it's peers or managers, the person that you feel the most disconnected from is potentially the person that you want to go and ask. I'll also say that seldom times there is any harm in getting feedback and then thinking, not that useful. Maybe that doesn't inform my role too much. Maybe I asked the wrong person. Oh, well, mm -hmm. you don't have to do anything with it. Yeah, that's that's the best way I can put that. So you're right. Anytime before you solicit feedback, always reminding yourself, I'm going to solicit this. That does not require me to do anything with it. And that also makes it easier to solicit feedback because you don't have the pressure on yourself to say, well, if I don't like what they have to say, I don't want to have to do it. So I'm not going to ask for it in the first place. If I know going in, I'm not required to do anything with it then I'll be more likely to ask more from a place of genuine curiosity. That first question word is who. The second question word is what. What do you want feedback on? Your request for feedback should be specific. Instead of going up to your co-coach and asking, hey, Jay, can you do you mind giving me some feedback on my coaching? It would be much more productive for you to say, Hey, Jay, are you willing to evaluate my group class tonight and give me some feedback on how well I balance my interactions with each person in the group? Now, you as a feedback giver have a much easier time, well, first of all, knowing what you're giving me feedback on because I've made an explicit request. And you're much more likely to say yes because you know what I'm asking. Whereas if I come up to you and I say, hey, can you give me some feedback on my coaching? I've put all the the work on you to figure out what you're going to give me feedback on. So we need to be very specific when we request feedback from people. What? That's the question word. What do you want feedback on? And if I could just add something to that there, one of the things that you've done incredibly well, I know when I joined your in-person seminar, I knew exactly what I was about to get feedback on. It said it in the notes. I knew what I was signing up for. And then you delivered on that thing. I knew I was coming in there to... The feedback I was going to be given was going to be on pace, on tone, on filler words, on eye contact. The content did not matter at all. But if you just said, I'm going to evaluate how you communicate, I would have had to guess. Is it context? Is it content? Is it everything? Is it nothing? Where, where should I look? What should I not do? I knew that I was going to get specific feedback and I could, I could measure myself against just those three or four things rather than thinking, oh, this is like drinking from a fire hose. I'm, I'm never going to get this right because there's just too many things that I could receive feedback yeah. on. It allowed me to, to, as I said, measure myself to it. So kudos Absolutely. to you. Thanks, Jay. The third question word is when. In here, you want to consider timing. Timing is really important because people don't usually like to receive surprise requests for feedback. I don't want to see you coming off of a coaching session. I run over to you in between your clients and I say, hey, you have a minute to give me some feedback. And the other downside to surprising someone with a request for feedback is if they do give you feedback in that moment, it's not thought out and it's usually flavored by their current mood. If I, Jay, if I came to you to get some feedback and you had just come off a client session and let's say it didn't go well, maybe you're in a sour mood, 
you've got that lens on and now you're going to give me feedback, that feedback, well, probably not with you because you're maybe the most self-aware person I know, but that feedback is likely going to be flavored by the energy that you're coming off of that session with. Whereas if I had said to you, Jay, I'd really like to get some feedback on this specific thing. Do you have 30 minutes for me at 11 o'clock tomorrow after your client? Now we're setting something up. I'm giving you time to prepare and I'm giving myself time to prepare too. Yeah, money. That's that's money. Nothing to add there. Blindsiding anybody with anything at any point probably isn't going to go well for you. So unless you absolutely have to, give people advance notice. The next question word is where. Feedback is best given in private for the benefit of you and for the person that's giving you feedback. If you're going to solicit feedback from someone, I would say make the request private to the person that you're seeking feedback from. And then be sure that you find a private space to have that feedback conversation. And that doesn't always mean that you have to be together in person to have feedback conversations. It could be a phone call, maybe it could be a Zoom session. But if we have the luxury of physically being together, we're not going to have that conversation out on the gym floor. Ideally, we would either find some empty space in the gym or find an office to go into. The next question word is why. Before you solicit feedback from anybody, you need to know why you are soliciting feedback. Is it to make a change in your thinking or your behavior? Or as we mentioned earlier, are you soliciting feedback simply to get a temperature check without having any intention to change? Or maybe you're soliciting feedback as a tool to evaluate the person who's giving you feedback and this has nothing to do with you. It's important to know why because that why is going to be the frame through which you receive the feedback through. If I know going in to getting feedback from you, Jay, that I'm simply just trying to do a temperature check on where I'm at with you, it's going to decrease the chance that I'm going to be defensive in that conversation if you say something that I disagree with or I feel caught off guard about because I know that my intention in the first place was simply to get a temperature check and I had no other expectations in terms of the specific feedback that you were going to offer. I think we've just got the 30 to 45 second snippet that we're going to use for whatever the promo for this episode is this week. That that was incredible. You mentioned two key words there for me, expectations. If you set your expectations as to what you're looking for, two things can happen. People can meet those expectations or if they don't meet them, then they misunderstood it and you don't have to take it personally. But if you just go in there with the, this blanket thoughts, I'll go back to thoughts again. Anything could happen if you have no intention as to what you're actually trying to glean from this feedback. And that's risky. It's risky because at a bare minimum, you just wasted your time. You went in hoping to get something, but if you weren't explicit enough with what you were trying to get or the reason that you were asking in the first place, or there was a mismatch of expectations, again, we, we kind of get lost. What I heard you say, but the word I'm adding is the idea of being explicit. I know why I want to ask this question and it might behoove us to tell the person that we're asking for feedback. Say, for example, use your analogy before I'm working with a group or your example from before I'm working with a group and Jenny, can you give me some feedback on my volume and my tone when I'm speaking to the entire group? Because I've been told in the past that I know when I speak to the group, I'm maybe not loud enough. So I want to know whether you can hear me if you stand at the back of the room. You know why, you're telling them why, and now if they don't give you accurate feedback, 
then it's probably on them because you gave them an explicit task. Hey, can you do this thing? And they then maybe they weren't able to do it or they forgot or whatever. But at least then you know if that information is not useful, you did everything you could do to make it as useful as possible. Because if it's really general, you can just get hit in the face with it and, and then you have to do Mm-hmm. whatever you can with that information. And then again, all the work comes back onto you or onto us when we could have done a better job at asking the question in the first place. So yeah. I think key, key points there. And the last question word is how. How do you want them to give you feedback? This is way too often overlooked, especially since it really dictates the, the entire experience you're going to have when you receive feedback. Do you want them to write the feedback in an email so that you can process it before you have a conversation about it? Do you want them to have a phone conversation with you and not do a face-to-face conversation? Do you want to meet outside of the office? Maybe you meet at a coffee shop so that you feel more relaxed and it doesn't feel so formal in your job setting. Don't leave the feedback environment up to the feedback giver. If both of you intend for the feedback to be helpful, which most often people do, if you're soliciting feedback, you want it to be helpful. If you're giving feedback, most people have good intentions about giving feedback. They want to help you improve. You need to tell them what the environment needs to look like in order for that feedback to have the best possible chance of seeding itself and actually creating some positive change. So if I go back, the six question words are who, being considerate of who you're going to ask for feedback from and making sure that they're actually someone who plays a role in your success. What? being specific with what you request feedback on, when, timing it correctly, giving people advance notice when you're going to be asking them for feedback, where, doing it in private, why, knowing what you're trying to get from the feedback, and then how is telling people explicitly how you would like them to deliver that feedback to you. Yeah, that that last one is incredibly impactful. If anybody's ever tried to change a behavior or a habit or has ever read you know, the New York Times number one bestseller for the last 20 years or whatever it is of Atomic Habits. We know that environment can dictate so much about our behavior. And so if we leave it up to chance, so we leave it up to the other person and they set the, the environment as being on the fly in a corridor whilst walking from room to room, that is as disarming to some person as it is palatable to another. So if you know that you would prefer to receive this via email so that you're not reactive or whatever it might be, curate an environment where that feedback is as useful as it can be. And it's one more step, but without that step, without doing that last little bit of legwork, you can really be left dead in the water if you don't set it up in a way that primes you for being ready to receive that feedback for sure. It reminds me a lot of this concept that I've heard of some corporations doing, and I want to say they call it an unresume, maybe. Anyway, that's beside the point where, Jay, let's say you and I are new on a team. We Mm -hmm. both create a profile of how we like to work. How do I like to be communicated with? Mm -hmm. If we are working on a deadline, what are things you can do to support me in moments like that. And essentially you're telling the people around you, here's how you can be successful working with me based on what I know about myself. This applies to receiving feedback. If I'm soliciting feedback from you, ideally I would want to put myself in a position where I know I'm going to be receptive to it. And only I know what that position is. You you, you don't know, you're not me. If I leave it up to you, I reduce the likelihood that I'm going to be in a position where I'm fully open to receiving 
and possibly acting on that feedback. So I'm going to tell you, here's what, how I would like to receive it. You could say no. You might say, I know you'd really like to go for a walk and do this on a walk. I don't have time to do that today. Is there an alternative? But at least yeah. now I'm making a request or advocating for myself. And that's that's really important. That the the key word there is the advocating for yourself. How many times it's almost like being called into the principal's office. If you call, if I got called into the principal's office, no matter what that person, no matter what the principal said to me, even if it was useful, even if it was weed all, you need to shut your mouth, otherwise you're gonna get kicked out of school. <laughs> I would resist. It would always be negative. But if I was met in a, I don't know, particular environment that was maybe a little bit more calming to a 10-year-old, 15-year-old, I probably wouldn't have felt as defensive. But you know when you get called to that environment of the principal's office, it's already scary enough to go and speak to the principal. You get called into that office, you know that you're in for a rollicking. Uh, or at least you expect. that you, No one goes to the principal's office to be given a gold star and commendations, right. do they? So can we set up an environment where we can prime ourselves to be more receptive rather than leaving it up to chance and then running the risk of proverbially getting called into the, uh, into the, the principal's office? Because I, like no, I didn't enjoy being that's there. That's a good example. To be fair, I didn't go there very often, but yeah, that's by, the, that's by the by. So with that in mind, let's say you're in the midst of receiving feedback. What are some things that are important for people to be aware of when they're in that moment of receiving feedback? If you're in person, you're receiving feedback, how you physically look when you're re receiving feedback plays a part in how the feedback giver is interpreting your openness mm -hmm. to the feedback they're giving you. And none of this is right or wrong. It's really goes back to self-awareness. Are you aware of your body language when you're receiving mm -hmm. feedback? Are your arms crossed or are you more relaxed and your body is open? Are you looking at the person and you're focused on them? Or are you looking down, which often we do if we feel as though we're being punished? What do you, what facial expressions are you making? Are you rolling your eyes? Are you smiling? Are you grinning? And then just maybe your movement. Are you sitting still? Are you steady? Do you look composed? Or are you shifting around, which could maybe indicate that you're uncomfortable or you're nervous about something? Being aware of how you look. The next one is you need to know how to ask for clarification on anything that has been stated, either that's vague or if someone has given you feedback that is more judgmental than it is observational. Sometimes people give us vague feedback. It is okay for you to ask for examples. Would you be able to tell me, was there an instance that you saw this happen that we could put this in context? I can ask for that. Or if I'm just totally confused about what you're saying, I will ask you for clarification. I'll say, Jay, this is not at all clear to me. Are you saying that X? And then maybe I'll repeat it back to you in my own words to get clarification. Next is, as we talked about, knowing how to advocate for yourself, especially if you feel yourself becoming defensive, which many of us do when we receive feedback, especially if the person giving us feedback isn't all that skilled and maybe they're using language that is attacking and most always they're not doing it purposefully. I can say to you, hey, Jay, would you be open to pausing the conversation just for a couple of hours? I'm realizing that I'm feeling a little bit defensive right now. And I really like to just sit with what you shared with me. Can we chat more about this tomorrow? Yes, that's uncomfortable to say out loud. And me saying it, you might think, well, that sounds really formal. I would never say it like that. But that's because you just haven't done it before. Yeah. It's totally acceptable. 
And it shows that you're taking ownership and that you're trying to make this a productive conversation. And we know once we're overcome by emotion, it is no longer productive. We're not going to get anywhere. Anything to add? Being able to pause and say, I don't feel great about this at the moment. I'm thinking about too many things. Would it be okay if, or you can phrase it more strictly than that, I'd like to, or I want to go and leave and take five minutes or whatever it might be. Being able to pause between stimulus of feeling attacked or defensive, and then the response of, am I actually defensive or was it just the situation? Was it just the environment? Was it just the person? Am I actually defensive or can I do a better job? Because if the end goal is to do a better job, pausing is probably your biggest weapon. Being able to pause between however long it takes between stimulus and response. And if the person opposite you is committed to everybody getting better and committed to understanding you versus misunderstanding you on purpose, then it's not likely to be as big of an issue. You're also setting, you're doing what we mentioned in 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 the previous point here, which is you're setting that environment. In this environment, when I receive feedback, I know I have a tendency to get frustrated or feel defensive. And so I might say, hey, can we take a pause? And if you do that once, you're setting the expectation that this might happen the next time and, and this is how you handle it. All this really comes back to week one, which is where we talked more about that self-awareness. You can help yourself out if you're more aware of what the way you like to be communicated with, the way you like to communicate, who you like to communicate with, in what modality, doing that self-assessment noticing what your preferences are is going to allow you to do a much better job when these moments inevitably come up. It also disarms the feedback giver as well. If you do feel like it's getting a bit heated or you do feel like this person is is giving you not super constructive feedback, being able to clarify saying, I'm not sure I understand. Can you clarify for me? I think of it as playing dumb. I might ask this person to give me another example or another example or another example, because first off, it gives me a pause. I'm not being an asshole about it, but it just gives me a pause. It does give me an opportunity to continue to understand how this affects me. Is this being, is it out of proportion? Do I just not understand? Is it being built up to be something that it's not being able to take a pause or ask questions for clarification are incredibly useful and disarming. They are weapons. Keep them in your pocket is my feedback there. And the, the point about asking for examples, there is a fine line you have to dance because if you're going to ask someone to give you an example of maybe when they observed this behavior you did that they're giving you feedback on, you're not asking them for an example so that you can disprove them. And if every time you ask for an example, you argue with them about, oh, well, that's not true. It didn't happen like that. Mm -hmm. Now you're no longer asking for examples. You're simply trying to pick an argument. All that means is if you're going to ask for examples, you're doing so from a place of curiosity to add context to feedback that they're giving you. It's not to argue with them about who's right or wrong in their interpretation of that example they're giving you. Yeah. And you get the opportunity. That moment is not the right time to decide whether you're going to act on that feedback or whether that feedback is correct or whether it's useful to you. Because as you're saying, it becomes an argument. If after the fact you take that feedback and you decide this is how it was interpreted, I don't feel it went that way. I'm not, I'm going to choose to not act on it. Then at least you can do it from a place of clarity rather than being in the moment of trying to validate what happened in the moment and validate something that's happened in the past and really not that particularly useful to Mm -hmm. do that anyway. Nobody really gets much out of that. 
No. And that leads me to the last point I wanted to make in regards to this question about when you're receiving feedback is to remember when people give you feedback, they often have an unstated expectation that you're going to do something with the feedback that they're giving you. And that if they don't see you implement the feedback that they've given you, they either judge you usually negatively, or they assume that you don't respect them enough and that you don't trust their opinions. And that's why you're not implementing it. It's important to be aware of this because Jay, if I solicit feedback from you and then I choose not to implement it, I might also choose to tell you that. I might say, Jay, I took a few days. I thought about what you said. I didn't have that same experience. Although I hear the point you were trying to make was this moving forward, I'm going to do this. And it might not be what you told me to do, but now at least I've closed the loop with you. So you know that I respect the effort that you put into giving me feedback and I'm not simply ignoring you or I didn't waste your time. Well, very. I'll definitely talk about that next week as well when we talk about coach to client feedback. Because if a client wants to do burpees every day and I don't agree with it from a coaching standpoint, I might end up having that exact same conversation, but in the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. I hear you. Thanks for that. I might ask clarifying questions, trying to understand why. And I might just say, that's probably not appropriate. Instead, we're going to decide to do X. So again, we'll expand on that more next week. So, okay. So the final point here, which I think is, although short, incredibly profound as well. If you do decide you'd like to implement some of the feedback that you've received, what are some of the things that it's useful to keep in mind when you're implementing it? Most important is to know what success is, what success looks like. Mm-hmm. How will you know that you've improved? If you can't measure improvement, you're not effectively making any change. This also often involves the person who gave you feedback to begin with checking in with them to say, Jay, how am I doing? Yeah. Have you noticed any changes in the way I'm doing this thing? If you're the one who noticed it in the first place, I want to have a continued open dialogue with you and let you know, hey, I'm working on it. Are you noticing that I'm working on it? And if you don't, then I've got to change my plan because yeah. I'm not I'm not making change to the point where it's having an impact. I like to think about it like a science experiment. Focus on one thing at a time. If you choose to implement feedback, one thing at a time. If you change too many variables, it is really difficult to measure the impact of any one of those variables. And then the last point is consider creating some accountability for yourself by telling people what you're working on. If I'm working on a team of other coaches and let's say there's five of us and we have a weekly staff meeting, I might speak up in that staff meeting and say, I wanted to let everyone know this week, something I'm focusing on getting better at is this. If you notice that I'm doing a good job or I could do better, I'm totally open to you letting me know. Now I've put myself out there and I better show up and actually be working on this feedback because you're going to be watching me. Absolutely. And I've actually worked with coaches who have done a similar thing. And at the same time, it also allows them to receive more feedback. If if I am a good coworker, I'm going to say, hey, I noticed that you did that thing then. Great job. If I'm paying attention to it, I'm going to give them praise or feedback in the moment, most likely, because it's also, as a coworker, it's going to give me food for thought. Just think, well, Jimmy's working on that. What, what do I have to work on? Can we all get a little bit better? You become somewhat of a leader as well within that group to say, I'm working on this. You might even say to your 
if you think it's something that everybody could work on, you might even say it to your, to your superior, to your manager. Is this something that we could all do? Can I get continuing education credits? If this is really important to you, it's likely important to other people as well. You don't live on an island, especially in communication. There's no absolute right and wrongs. So if it's important to you and you feel like you could get better at it in your environment, then there's a high likelihood that other people can as well. So you create a confluence where everybody's going in the same direction. And if you are doing that, it's going to become a lot bloody easier. I said it. It's going to be a lot bloody easier to, to keep doing it if other people around you are doing mm-hmm. it as well. Yeah. Great ad. Absolutely. To wrap up everything that we've covered today, feedback is information. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. It's not a contract. It's simply information. It's information about, are you having the impact you think you're having? How do people feel about working with you? Are you actually creating the change that you're supposed to be creating? Are you meeting the objectives of your role? But just because you solicit or somebody gives you feedback doesn't mean you have to do something with it. It's just information. Be judicious with who you ask feedback from. Know what type of feedback you're asking for and why you are asking for that feedback. And then finally, if you do choose to implement feedback, pick one single thing to work on at a time so you can actually measure change and know what success is going to look like. If you do this thing, what will it look like when you're doing it well? We'll just call this episode the, the Jenny Rarick Gold Show. So, <laughs> so good, so good, Jenny. Hopefully, I can hold a candle to it. The the next episode here. So no the next doubt, episode, well, fingers crossed. Dave. The next episode, we'll talk a little bit more about from the coach to the client. And no feedback is necessarily easy. All the things that Jenny you spoke about today are not easy. They're simple, but they're not easy situations to be in oftentimes because the person you're soliciting feedback from is paying your wages and keeping you in business and you're trying to do a good job and you, and then the opposite is also true when you're working with clients and you're soliciting feedback, you don't necessarily want them to be dictating the direction of their training. They're driving the car, you're drawing the map. And so we'll talk a a bit more about that next week as well. and, And how we can get systematic feedback from clients where the expectation again, is not that you're just going to let them choose whatever they want to do that day. Not, not without consideration anyway. And so we'll talk more about that one next week. Jenny, absolute masterclass today. A masterclass, mate. Uh, anything to add before we wrap up? I'm excited for next week. Oh, goodness me. We make, no pressure. We make a good team. We talked about this. I have My background is mostly corporate. I do coach. But having the lens of both, it makes for interesting conversation. Good chatting with yeah. you today. You too, mate. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the show. As this is a podcast about communication, we value and welcome your input, any feedback you have, and questions about how we could make the show even better for you. We'd love it if you click the link in the show notes to do so.